Blog Talk Radio. Time with Pastor Steph. Good morning, good morning, rise and shine. You're on with this due time with Pastor Steph. How are you this morning? That's what I like to hear. That's what I like to hear. For this is the day the Lord has made that us rejoice and be glad in it. So, where were you yesterday? Mm, yesterday was let's talk about a Tuesday church folk day and we had a very interesting time over here on the due time with Pastor Steph. Well first of all, unfortunately we started off with some uh news about the woman who's been accused of poisoning her boyfriend's one year old daughter with him. Acetone. Oh, what are we doing? What are we doing, people? You know, we also talked about the uh, mom and the dad who were responsible for the four-year-old who was beaten to death over some potty training, and they then got snagged with what they had done to the 23-month-old before. Now, we just had come off the conversation of the doctor listening to the Dr. Martin Luther King speech from back uh, some 60 years ago. We just got got finished talking about how, you know, we need to, you know, unite and get ourselves together and, you know, be loving and aware and kind and, you know, how we had been mistreated so badly back in the day and the Emancipation Proclamation and how, you know, Dr. King spoke that still, you know, the things that had been written 
in that Emancipation Proclamation had not come to fruition. And we still see that 160 years later, it still hadn't come through. But we complain about the ill treatment of the man. We complain about the ill treatment of our forefathers. We complain about the ill treatment of the the police and how, you know, things are not the way they should be. And, And yet, here's what we do to our own. And, you know, Brother Ainsley says that, you know, hey, they all do it. We we all do it. You know, don't think that it's just us that, you know, are guilty of murdering our children and blah, blah, blah. And, yeah, he had a point. However, I'm not picking sides. I'm not picking sides, and I'm not saying it's most of us who do this. But I am looking at the black-on-black crime. I am looking at how we, on this side of the fence, don't treat one another well. I am looking at the fact that Mama and Papa have their hands in killing their child. And, And that's something that is extremely hard for me to digest because... See, here's my crazy way of thinking. My crazy way of thinking says, hey, if mama steps out and she becomes a little unhinged, then there's that fatherly love that steps in who says, nah, we're not doing that to my kid. And we have that mother and we know the we know the mamas have seen how the father has left the child sitting on the step waiting for him to come through because he promised he would and she's going to go into this mode of helping her baby she's going to go into this mode of trying to get them back in a good head space and showing them extra love and you know she goes into overdrive I'm having a problem when I see mother and father bring children here and then they both play a part in murdering the child I don't know how many of you have a problem with that but I'm going to tell you something could give a hot diggity dog about any other culture that does this more than our culture who's complaining that we're not being treated properly because see I don't hear and I haven't heard and it hasn't been the plight of the Asians it hasn't been the plight of the Pakistanians or the you know uh, this uh, uh, the Russians or the Ukrainians, they have not been ill-treated in a 
monumental fashion as we have. And it's us who have walked with Dr. Martin Luther King, and it's us who have had the Million Man March, and it's us who have, you know, had the Watts riots, and it's us who've done all of these things to protest the treatment of the man. So, if you are so angry and you despise so much the ill treatment of outsiders, then it doesn't bother you to do it to your own? I'm having a problem with that. Now, I don't know how many of you share my thought, but that that, that was my point. After such a powerful show, and it didn't mean that during the show we just all of a sudden thought we were in some, you know, that land where none of this existed, but it stuck out. And I didn't even bring on the quote-unquote black-on-black crime. I didn't even bring on the fact that, you know, somebody shot the next one. Because at the same time, I had a, a, what do you call it, Um, an article about a migrant killing a fellow migrant. So I could have gone there. You know, our news is full of this one on that one crime. It don't matter. But I'm having a problem with us specifically with this complaining of, you know, the man and how the man has held us down and all of this. And yet, here we are. I can't even love you or be in a relationship with you and trust you to love my child without you killing it. I can't even love you and we have a child together and I can and either one and, and neither one of you can be trusted to take care of your children. You know, we we just come off of a year where we've seen grandparents get to the point of just losing it. And that was all shapes, forms, and fashions. We had all, all, all races. We had white grandmas and grandpa. We had uh, black grandma, grandpa. We had the Hispanic grandma in the Bronx. Well, we had, we had them across the board. I ain't talking about just black grandma. I'm talking about... Grandma's losing it. But when we have grandmas and parents losing it against their own. Now, let me let me say this. <laughs> As a mother of young women, I know what it is to want to hurt your child. Oh, trust me. I know what it is to want to put your hand around a neck. I know what it is to want to snap a neck in half. I know what it is to want to cut the whole head off. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about some depraved, cruelty, insensitive, evil this ain't no mental illness stuff we talking about. We're talking about plain and simple evil 
from the man himself, Satan. And when we can learn to treat our own the best we possibly can, then maybe they'll look at us a little differently. Maybe they'll look at us. Maybe they'll stop calling us monkeys and animals and all kinds of things. Because it don't matter to me what they call the other, you know, other nationalities. And, and it doesn't mean I don't love them. However, it should not call anybody. Because what makes you inferior and what makes you the person and, and the race? But we've seen this from biblical times. This ain't nothing new. Slavery, being enslaved, this is nothing new. But we're going to have to get this thing together if we want to cry out and be heard. And be heard. Not be ignored. Not be picked at and made fun of. So, come on. Let's make sure we get it done right. All right? All right. Well, yesterday, we did my Two Cents segment, Brother Ainsley, Shantis, and myself, and we uh, we ran down the 11 tracks of the uh, Kingdom Business Season 2 soundtrack, and it was hilarious to listen to your reviews, to your comments, to, you know, the songs, and, you know, to hear what you thought, well, Grace Amazing by Yolanda Adams was number one out of the 11 tracks. And that's what the people voted. Well, I just want you to know that that just happened to be my number one. Yes, 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 yes. Brother Ainsley Shanti said that Rebels Grace was their number one. Well, my number one was great. Uh, uh, Grace Amazing, and, you know, those top two songs were extremely good. I'll say the top three. The top three were extremely good, and I had so much fun with you yesterday, really enjoying the time we spent together, just hearing what, you know, we think of things. You know, everybody's listening to the same thing, but yet everybody doesn't have the same opinion. So the funniest comment to me was, Kirk Franklin should have gone and gotten R. Kelly to produce this soundtrack from jail. <laughs> well, I have to tell you, as wicked as he is, he would have come up with something a whole lot better. I got to admit, I got to admit. Uh, well, we had a big, 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 big fun yesterday. Uh, and please go back and listen to yesterday's episode. It was really, really fun. And uh, that's how we spent our Tuesday. Well, today is Wednesday. We made it, y'all. We made it to the middle of the week. Thank you, God, who has brought us from the beginning to the middle. And you know, a lot of people have a hard time. Getting over this hump, which is why they call it hump day. But we don't call it hump day. We call it Wow Wednesday because God has given us something to be grateful for. We're not trying to figure out how we're going to get through this day because God has already given us 
a way to get through this day just by waking us up today. And there is no wrong side of the bed. Woo! Can you imagine saying it's the wrong side of the bed when God got you up at all? Oh, my goodness. Just thinking about that. Woo! You remember how you met these people? You know, we just callously, callously say things. Just, woo, so nonchalant. But when you think of the goodness of God, oh, just for your feet to hit that floor, it don't matter what side of the bed it came up off of. Oh, if you just, long as you were able to open up your eyes and you in your right frame of mind. Because when we look at the news, we see that everybody ain't on that side of the fence. So how could we complain about anything on a Wednesday? So I'm here to say, let's say wow together. All right, all right. I know y'all saying, okay, Pastor Steph, let's go. Well, we get ready to hear from your girl Vivian with her socially conscious segment. So go ahead and get that healthy breakfast. Go ahead and tell somebody that it's due time when Pastor Steph is on. And whatever you do, please don't go anywhere because we will be right back. God's best. A new report from the CDC reveals a disturbing statistic. statistic. The study says that 1 in 14 women smoke while pregnant. The findings reveal more than 7% of all expectant mothers smoke despite the known risks to both mother and child. According to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, any amount of smoking during pregnancy is too much. It puts a baby at risk for birth defects and can cause a baby to be born too early or have low birth weight. It can also raise the risk of stillbirth or sudden infant death syndrome. Well, today. Morning again. Welcome back to his due time with Pastor Steph. And it is Wow Wednesday. Again, giving God thanks for ushering us into the middle of the week. We're safe and sound. And if we're on, just hanging back to listen to what uh, the ladies have to say today, then amen. You in your right frame of mind. You ain't scattered. You ain't all over the place. And if you are one of the ladies who are due to minister today, ooh, amen, because we're in our right frame of mind in order to even minister. All right? All right. Well, we got our girl Vivian on, so we're going to give her uh, first dips at our morning. Good morning, Vivian. Good morning. Happy Wow Wednesday. How are you, Pastor Steph? I am well. Thank you. I am well. You know my question, girl. What you got for us today? Okay, today on Socially Conscious, we are starting off with some news for all those out there who may be looking for a little side gig. 
They're saying that the New York City Department of Sanitation is hiring emergency snow shovelers. As we know and have heard time and time again, the amount of employees are dwindling everywhere and everyone is low-staffed. And I don't think that people were expecting snow. (laughs) So they are hiring emergency snow shovelers. To apply, you must be over the age of 18, eligible to work in the United States, and able to perform physical labor. So they are doing this throughout the winter season. They are going to pay snow shovelers starting at $18 an hour at First, if a shoveler hits 40 hours in a week, overtime pay increases to 27 hours, I mean $27 per hour. The Department of Sanitation wants you to know that it can take between four and six weeks to get your pay, but sometimes it may not, um, it may take up to 12 weeks after So if you want the extra cash but you don't need it immediately, this can be a nice little side thing, side gig for you to look into. And, of course, it is with the Department of Sanitation. So maybe you may, you know, catch some eyes and you can be able to turn this into something more permanent. Who knows? But if you're looking, it is out there. Next, we are in the schools. As reports say, there has been a rise in School threats. Some administrations working are um, they are working to strike a balance between student safety and minimizing classroom disruptions. They're saying that several schools were recently forced to either shut down, lock down, or implement e-learning because of threats. Ultimately, thanks to a quick response from impacted districts and law enforcement, these threats did not come to fruition. They say several school districts received threats recently from the same number out in Minneapolis. Administrators say they would rather overreact than underreact. So they take these measurements such as shutting down the school, locking down the school, and or implementing e-learning when they receive a threat. Of course, this is a very tricky situation as these threats are occurring more and more often and they are spreading throughout the nation. Just recently, more than 10 school districts across New York received disturbing swatting threats last year. They're saying there were 36 incidences in late March alone across New York, and state police had to respond to 226 schools due to threats last year. So swatting is what they are calling these threats, and this is a criminal harassment act of deceiving an emergency service and to sending a police or other emergency services to respond to a person's address. This is triggered by false reporting of a serious law enforcement emergency such as a bomb threat, murder, hostage situation, or a false report of a mental health emergency such as reporting that a person is allegedly suicidal or homicidal and may be armed. 
So these things are happening more and more in the schools. Schools are receiving threats that they are going to shoot up the school, that there is a armed person around the school, they're receiving bomb threats, and it is disrupting the education of the children. So officials are working to figure out how they can get a handle on this. And of course, Again, very tricky because if you receive a threat, you have to act whether you believe that it is true or not. So they're just trying to figure out how they're going to get this done. Next, we have an update on the budget cuts that we have been following for quite some time now. Reports say that Mayor Eric Adams has said that he is now able to back off of the recent budget cut ideas that he previously had. Adams says, thanks to predictions of better-than-expected tax returns and better management of the migrant crisis, he is able to announce that there would be no more cuts for now in his $109 billion budget. Adams was quoted saying, quote, we balance the budget without unduly burdening New Yorkers with massive tax hikes or service reductions, end quote. He says the city will also be getting a lot of help from the state. And Governor Kathy Hutchell revealed a $233 billion state budget proposal for the 2025 fiscal year, which included $2.4 billion dollars to support New York City in handling the migrant crisis. And they are saying even with the predicted income coming in and the managing of the migrant crisis being handled better, they're saying that there is still a $7 billion hole. They're expecting or hoping that the federal government will be able to fill that hole in order to get things together. So there's still some mess that needs to be cleaned up, but thankfully there is some good news with the decrease in the need of budget cuts that was mostly hitting a lot of our city services, such as sanitation and the police department and the schools. So it's good to hear that they are backing off of those services. And now we have our wow story of the week. And they're saying that a 17-month-old baby was hospitalized after police mistakenly raided the wrong home. The mom of the baby tells the story of how someone was banging on the door. By the time she got to the door and realized that it was the police, they were busting into her home, guns pointing at her. She says they threw a flashbang through a window, which hit the baby and had the baby covered in the glass from the broken window. The family says the toddler, Waylon, already had medical complications and was on a ventilator. They say smoke burned Waylon's eyes, body, and lungs, and that he was put in an ICU. They say the police let the baby lay there for about 45 minutes. Mom said she believes the warrant was meant for a teen 
who previously lived at the residence before she and her family moved in. She said the police have been to her home at least five times in the past year looking for this um, teenage boy who no longer lives there. Police admit to throwing flashbangs but say it was not through a window, and they say flashbangs do not contain any pepper, any gas, or any other chemical agents. They're saying any allegations suggesting the child was exposed to chemical agents, lack of medical attention, or negligence is not true. But mom says little Waylon was diagnosed with chemical phenomenitis. It's an inflammation of the lungs or breathing difficulty due to inhaling chemical fumes or breathing in and choking on certain chemicals. And she is saying that that happened during the raid. So poor little Waylon is in ICU receiving medical attention but is expected to be fine. But, of course, with his previous medical conditions, that is always questionable. So, of course, an investigation is currently going on. So we definitely want to keep them lifted in prayer. Definitely a sad, sad situation. But this has been Vivian with Socially Conscious, giving you the news that we are following. And remember, if you have any wild stories you would like to submit, please feel free to direct message me on Facebook. My username there is Vivian BM, and come back every Wednesday to find out if your story has been chosen. Thank you, as always, to our loyal listeners, and thank you, Pastor Steph. Ah, thank you, Vivian. Thank you. Uh, As always, you leave us stuff to talk about. Uh, You know how we always say, please hang around just in the event we need some clarification. And uh, if we don't speak to you, have a blessed day. Thank you. Thank you. You as well. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All righty. Ah, well, as always, there's some trouble. There's some good news. And uh, let's get this conversation started. Mm. Let's say good morning to a voice we have not heard in a minute, but thank God through all the travels. She is back with us. Let's say good morning to Elder Night Tisha. Good morning, Elder Night Tisha. Good morning. Good morning, my sisters, all of our listeners. Missed all of you and really glad to be back. Amen, amen, amen. Giving God thanks for your travels and uh, all the, you know, activities. And you know I'll be calling you on the side, girl, to find out some details. Details, details. (laughs) So glad to have you back with us. And you know how we do on our Wednesday morning. Oh, so we're getting started with this New York City Department of Sanitation that says, hey, we need some help. How about help? You know, as long as you're 18, you're eligible to work in the United States, and you can do the manual labor. We're willing to pay you 18 to $27 an hour based on overtime. However, 
of it is one thing. You may not get paid until four, maybe up to 12 weeks. What does that sound like? How does that sound? What do you think, you know, how many people you think that'll draw? What's your thought? I mean, I think, you know, upon hearing it, it sounds like a great opportunity. There are many, you know, young adults that need the extra cash. Uh, College students, you know, getting out shoveling snow is not new, Um, you know, in suburban areas. You'll have kids that get out there for, you know, a, a fee will shovel out driveways and stuff like that for people. So um, it's not it's not a new thing. So, you know, I think it's a great opportunity that the, that the city has decided to offer it. But why city? Will it take so long? Three months? That's, that's 12 weeks is three months, right? Like, why yes. is it going mm-hmm. to take so long for me to get paid, though? Now, for someone who, you know, doesn't need, the cash, like Vivian said, and, you know, who can wait for it, you know, it'll be cute. When you're like, oh, shucks, I forgot about this check. You know, it'll show up on that <laughs> one day. You're like, oh, I forgot. You know, you, you, you're you excited. But for somebody who is in need of it, why do I need to wait three months? You need the, the, the snow removed now, right? Or how about I show up three months later and shovel the snow at the time <laughs> when the time when you can pay me. But I just, yeah, it's a great opportunity, and I, I love that they're offering it. But I do think that a drawback is the fact that a person would need to wait three months to get paid. I, I really do think that's a drawback. Why can't the city um, pay these people out at the time that they are, you know, doing the work? Okay, okay. Ah, thank you for joining us this morning. Let's hear from your sister, who we haven't heard on a Wednesday morning in quite some time, Eva. Uh, good morning, Lady Tamika. Good morning, good morning. It feels so good to be back on. I feel like I've just been displaced, and now I am found. The prodigal daughter. Amen, amen, amen. Uh, What you think about this shoveling with a delayed pay? That's that's a big thing, you know. I I, it brings me back to when you know children in the or youth in the neighborhood would just you know come by and shovel and. You'd hand them, you know, a little, a little something. Thank you so much. You know, now you got them doing the work, and by the time springtime comes, they're just getting paid. You know, and you, you gotta, you know, the whole sentiment of paying them for what they do is a good thing. But you know, uh, again, you know, I'm doing the work now. I want to get paid now. You know, and we, we, you know, you have every right to get paid for what you're doing. But months later, hmm. You know, and then my, my concern is, are they really going to get that check? You know, by that time, like you said, you know, you're not even thinking about it. For somebody, you know, who, let's just say is retired maybe, very healthy, or for whatever reason unemployed temporarily, you know, um, and has resources, that works. But for somebody who's trying to make it on a daily basis, 
you need your money now. You know, it's my money, and I want it now. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for somebody to say that. I was waiting for somebody to come up with that one. Oh, my goodness. Well, thank you for joining us. Good to hear your voice on a Wednesday morning. Ah, uh, let's say good morning to Shantice. Now, she's on the lower end of the age scale, so let's hear what she thinks of this delayed pay but work today. Good morning, Shantice. <laughs> Shantice, are you talking to the mute button? Okay. All righty. Well, I'll throw my hat in the ring. <sighs> you know, as a payroll person, um, people don't want to hear this. I'm be honest. <laughs> people ain't trying to hear. I work today, and when it comes time to get my check, um, I, I got a delay. Nobody's trying to hear that. I also, what was something else that also came to my mind is, you have said to me, well, you can work up to and over 40 hours. Now, you know, think about the kids who used to walk through the neighborhood. Um, you know, they were getting their money, like Tamika said, right then. You know, you give them something right then. And, you know, when they got a little tired, they were able to call it a day. So if they made $20, if they made $30, if, you know, but, um, you know, whatever they made when it was time to wrap it up because they didn't want to do it anymore, they were just too tired, they, they called it a day and it was, you can't do that now. If you go and work for sanitation, they're expecting you to go through that duration. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. if you, um, if um, you have, uh, if you have, you know, if you get tired or whatever and you ain't worked in a while, and <laughs> now this shoveling that reminded you how long you ain't worked. You know, you can't walk up off that job and say, you know, I'll be back tomorrow. You can't. And, and I'm going to be honest, there's no reason why you don't have the money to pay them. None. There's mm-hmm. no reason why you don't have any money. You knew from last year you would need people this year. So all this money you've been funneling all over the place, you go now give up all this money over a year's time, but now expect people to work in three months, 12 weeks, three months, uh, that's a little unacceptable. Even if you ask them to wait a month, that wasn't bad because some city workers actually have to wait um, a month until they get paid. So, you know, that's kind of understandable because, you know, they kind of hold back to two weeks, blah, 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 blah. So some people are kind of accustomed to that, but you're talking about, you know, a whole three months now. That, that to me, personally, is unacceptable. You want people to jump at this opportunity because you need the work, then y'all, y'all could have came up with a better plan. I'm sorry, much better plan than that. All righty, we're talking about the rise in the school threats. Now, this is pretty big because I'm going to be honest, I didn't even realize this was going on, so this was new to me. And, you know, all of these threats, especially out in Minneapolis, where they've had to either shut the school down, lock the school down, or keep the kids home, you know, or send the kids home, you know, for uh, their safety, 
is is a bit much. Tamika, what are we talking about here? Yeah, I had heard um, about it here in New York uh, last year. If I'm not mistaken, about September of last year, my high school was threatened, you know, and um, I think two or three days they were trying to debate on what they were going to do for the students, you know, and because it was my high school, a lot of us graduates began to talk about, you know, what it is that we could do to aid, you know, do we need to stand outside the school, do we need to, you know, rally around, you know, do we need to, you know, what can we do, you know, and we are living in a day and time that is unfathomable compared to what we had to deal with. You know, I don't, I don't remember ever having to do uh, role exercises for what to do when threats are coming to the facility itself, you know, getting under chairs for supposed bomb threats. None of that has ever happened during my high school time, you know, and now you have to be very, very concerned, you know, um, and of course, you know, you're sending your child off to school and you get a text message saying we're on the bomb threat or, you know, whatever, the facility's in danger or somebody said, you know, and for my high school, again, it was just somebody who decided that that was something that they were going to say and they found it that it was unfounded. It was just somebody saying it, you know, and the, the, the things that go through, you know, staff and students, you know, the fear, the concern, you know, you, you heighten all of that. And for what, you know, just, just scaring people, you know, and now every, now the school facility now has to come up with what to do in case, you know, that's, that's disheartening. And, and, you know, you can't prepare for something like that. You try the best, but even in circumstances like that, you know, when it happens, it's not something that in most cases have a warning, you know, so uh, very, very concerning. Mm, absolutely, absolutely. Ah, uh, you know, I'm I'm looking at my little notes that I uh took from Vivian and she said there were thirty six incidences throughout New York. Um and this is this is crazy. This is crazy. Mm-hmm. The the bomb threats, hostage uh accus- you know accusations of threats of murder uh what are you what did she say deceiving emer- it's called deceiving emergency services that's one thing to do that in general you know the call but it's another thing to do that for the schools shantis good morning good morning i didn't even know this was still a thing I remember being in high school, and I think it was my junior year, maybe my senior year. I can't remember which. And I remember so many days I would be able to come home, or most of the day we would be either outside in front of the school, and there's like a huge pond across the street from the school. So we would either be over there just chilling the whole day or in the football field because they received another bomb threat, another bomb threat, another bomb threat. And that was back in 02, 02, 03. Here we are in 2024, and now we still have to be concerned with people calling the schools, sending bomb threats or, you know, coming up to the school and doing something. 
it's like it's bad enough, like you just said, Pastor Steph, that we have to worry about this in other arenas. You know, whether you're on a work site or wherever, for you to have to now still, still, this is a thing in the school. It's like, what is wrong with people? Why is this still something that is an idea? Mm-hmm. Elder Nightisha, Shanti says it's still a thing from O2. Ah, what's your thought? I mean, you know, we, we've talked in, in myths about, you know, mental illness really being um, real and prevalent, and we see it displayed in so many different ways in so many different areas. And so we know that we have sick people out there. And I think my concern is um, that we don't have young people who now see this as a way to get out of school early or see this as a way to delay, you know, mm-hmm. instruction, to delay. Um, and so then, you know, they start implementing these things as a way to be able to, we want to half a day today. <laughs> so because we want to mm-hmm. half a day today, you know, this is what we're going to do because we know that there are strict practices in place for how they have to respond to these things. There, there is mm-hmm. no, you know, um, no second guessing. There has to be a response to that type of threat. And I think, when young people make that decision to do that, that crying wolf, you are actually increasing the danger, uh, you know, of your school. You're putting your school in danger. Um, you never want your, uh, your your executive team or, or any of your leadership to respond slow simply because, you know, you are abusing a system that is in place for an emergency situation. You don't want to cry wolf and then have people begin to move slow because there have been so many uh, calls in and, and threats made that were unfounded that when a real one occurs, there's slow movement out of, you know, doubt of the, the realism mm-hmm. of the threat. And so, you know, I think people are sick, and so these threats, um, you know, coming can be coming from sick people, but I also just want to caution that parents that you would really have conversations with your children to help them to understand that this is not something to be used simply because you want a half day at school and you know that they have to respond in a certain way and that will allow, you know, because you're causing anxiety on the administration of the school, you're causing anxiety in your parents, you're causing fear in in even your other peers. So, you know, parents, I would just say really, you know, let's caution our kids to not take this as a joke. Mm. Uh, you know, ladies, as you were talking, I was thinking about what Vivian was saying, and she was, you know, saying, well, they, they're trying to figure out how to get a handle on this thing. And, like you all have said, the one downside is you can't ignore it. You can't delay because that's the one time something will be mm-hmm. real. So here's my thought as to how to uh, hopefully slow it down and, and, and put an end, an end to this where t- t- turn up your technology. Turn up, turn up your technology. Figure out who's making these calls. You can do it. 
you know, the FBI and all this, all this stuff they got going on. You turn up your technology, locate the people who are actually uh, committing this crime, put them away. Give them some punishment that would send the shockwave through, that this is not a joke. And I mean anybody. If you 12, yeah, you going down. If you 6, yeah, you going down. Parents, <laughs> you're going down. Because how else are you going to stop this? There's no other way to stop this. And, you know, we always say here on It's Due Time, you know, hit them in the pocket. Well, Unfortunately, we'd be facing some monetary fines as well as some type of jail time. And I think when you start to get this done, it's not going to be a joke anymore. Because if, 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 if this, if these are coming from the young people, if these calls are coming from young people, and I, I agree, um, Elton Itisha, we need to just have these conversations just in case it's my kid, um, you know, or, or your kid knows a kid, you know, or some kids who are doing this. Yes, put this out there. And also let let them, everybody, be aware. This is how we're handling this. If we catch you, we don't care if you in elementary school, you going down. So try us. And every single one they caught, and they could prove they would be doing some time, some fines. I think you would, you know, just kind of shake shake up the bag, and, and this would slow it down. Not stop it, but slow it down. I don't think you'll ever stop this nonsense once it starts because people will always, you know, get back into it, even if it's another four or five years down the line. But I think with all of the, you know, if you're getting all of these type of threats that, that Vivian said came through this article, I think if you start putting out here that these, because I haven't heard of a news story that says, okay, we've been, this has been happening, here's what we're going to do. So, you know what, put it out there, and, and let's see how that goes. I mean, the only thing you could do is scare away a couple. You'll have a couple that try, and for those that try it, we'll have some very unhappy campers. And, and as uh, Brother Al always says, says Big Bubba, We'll be waiting for you. <laughs> and call it a day, all right? Call it a day. Call it a day. Um, we've got this budget cut issue. Now, we talked about this here amongst us ladies. Um, and, you know, he says, hey, we've got the budget under wraps. We didn't have to do as many budget cuts, you know, as we thought, we've balanced the budget without having to do the things we talked about. Oh, however, there's still a $7 billion hole. Now, Shantice, before I even begin to ask my questions, what you got? What you got? What you got? What you got? So they, <laughs> so they believe that they did the budget properly and whatever plans they had in order to get the budget under wraps, they didn't do, but they feel like they still accomplished their goal. I just want to make sure I'm understanding that right. Yeah, he said, you know, when remember they were going to cut the police, the sanitation, the this, the that. Right. And he says, well, you know what? We didn't have to do all of that. The ba- the budget has been balanced, 
and, you know, we're good to go. I don't have to, you know, touch those areas. However, you know, and uh, we've got some help from the state. And, you know, we still, we still, we still, you know, after uh, Hochul is going to throw in some 200 and some odd dollar budget, billion dollars into this budget, we're still in a $7 billion deficit or hole somewhere. But y'all are good. We good. <laughs> well, how we in how we in a hole, but we good. I don't. <laughs> that sounds like how we do our personal finances. Okay. <laughs> like, like okay, like. I was sure getting ready to say work? that. <laughs> how does that work? That's that's really how we do our personal stuff. It's like okay, so I sat and you know okay, so this is the beginning of a new calendar year. I look back at 2023 and I saw that I left as of December 31st, 2023, I was negative $5,690. But I can still go to the movies. I can still go to, to happy hour every every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I, I can I can still lend money to, to my family member who can never pay me back. I can still do all this stuff. And yet I, it's now January 17, 2024, and I'm still negative 500 $5,609. Like, how does this? No, it, there's other. So, no, you don't have to cut out the important things. Cause, and, and again, our personal fact, we'll cut out food. We'll cut out, <laughs> I'll walk to work. I'll, I'll walk to work. But I'm going to still go to happy hour every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I may have to walk to the bar. I may have to walk there. Oh, but I'm going to still go because, because see, Happy hour, I get the wings half off. So I'm not going to go during the regular hours. Like, no, cut out happy hour. You know, it's, there's other ways, there's other areas where the funds are being spent that shouldn't be spent. So, no, do not defund the, the areas and, and the professions. We need these people. We cannot police ourselves. I ain't taking my garbage to know where is it sat now or whatever it is. I ain't doing that. So we need sanitation workers. We need all these people. How about tapping into the areas where y'all are just throwing money away, where it's not needed, and then you won't be in the hole. You cannot say we're good, but yet we're in the hole. There is no such thing. Isn't that an oxymoron? Yeah, man. Yeah, it's man. Like you, say, you say something, but then it like contradicts itself. I don't know. But that just sounds crazy. Mm. All righty, makes a lot of sense. Elder Natisha, he's balanced the budget. We've balanced this budget. We in a seven billion dollar hole, though. <laughs> yeah, there. That's. I'm in agreement with Shantice. There is no balance to this budget. I mean, and, and, and okay, granted, if, if, you know, we started out in a $70 billion deficit and we have been able to, by way of receiving aid and help, reduce from 20 to $7 billion, that only happens because we receive excess funds. That is not us balancing the book. Balancing the book means <laughs> that, we've, that, that we've done things. We've implemented things mm-hmm. without the assistance of others to, to to make some changes and to reduce that. But you can't say, oh, yeah, okay, we got help. 
we got saved. And so we didn't have to do nothing. And now the books are balanced. No, that's, that's just not, that's not how, um, how it works. And, and I've never, even in my personal finances, I've never felt like my books was balanced when I had a negative. I kept working until that negative right. balance, mm-hmm. you know, was, was, was at zero. We, I, we never became satisfied. And I think that's part of the problem why we continue to be in a cycle of debt as 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 a, as a, a state is because we are okay, and and I and I think I understand. You know, based on the functionality of the state, yes, it is quite expensive. You got payroll. There's a lot to to be spent out. However, I do think that if we really just sat down, pulled our heads together, and begin to um, try to work to get out of this debt, we would find the ways. Because we do, like y'all said, in our personal budget, we find the ways. We see, uh, Dag, I bought a little, I bought more stuff on Amazon than I should. Did I really need that mop thing that twirls and rings out the mop for me? Did I really, did I really need that? <laughs> you know, we, we are able to see, you know, the spaces and places. I don't have nowhere else to put shoes. Yet I'm still buying shoes. So it's, there are places where we are able to identify that we can cut back. You can't tell me that we are unable to see the spaces and places where there is excess money flying out the window so that we can cut back and reduce our own budget and then allow the excess money that comes in that helps us to bring us to a zero balance. Mm-hmm. Or maybe that's Absolutely. not possible for the level, you know, maybe that's not possible for the level of expenditure to run a state, mm-hmm. right? I don't know. I've never ran a state. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so I don't know. But I don't I don't know that $7 billion in the whole can be considered a balance to a budget. <laughs> are you there, Tamika? Did we lose you or are you back? I am still here. Hang along. All righty. <laughs> All righty, girl. What you got? So, you know, it reminds me of back in the days when, you know, we were trying to make it, you know, maybe you got your first couple of, you know, paychecks and, you know, you found that you spent, okay, I'll give you a prime example. Credit cards is is an industry that's always booming. You know, you get out there and not really understanding what credit can do to you. You go out and you, hey, just charge it, charge it, charge it, charge it. You know, and then later on, you realize, oh shoot, I got to pay this back. You know, oh, I, so uh, the shoes that I that I that I got that I thought were gorgeous, you know, now all of a sudden, you know, I'm trying to figure out, okay, what am I gonna eat? You know, Shantice mentioned, you know, the wings being half off. Well, I don't eat the drumstick part, so you know, I don't eat the whole wing, so maybe that's that. You know, you eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwiches <laughs> instead of a good meal. You got tuna fish on the plate because you know you can't afford a steak. You know, and you can't afford a chicken and high. You know, oh, maybe I'll just do something else and find a, you know, a different way, vegetables, you know. Oh, shoot, you mean to tell me vegetables are that high now? Maybe I'll just eat a sandwich, a bag of chips. You know, even even a bag of chips has gone up. You know, it's not even 25 cents now. You got to, you know, you can't even get a 50-cent bag of chips. The the smallest price that you get for chips is like a dollar in some places, and, and that's a miracle sometimes because they even add tax to that. You know, and so there has to be a hope. You know, there has to be a way. 
to get that back, you know. It's not that mentality, oh, Grandma gave me $50 when I was already $300 in debt, so now we're good. No, we're not good. Find the sources that are leaking, you know, just like a home. If you've got a leak, keep working on that leak. Don't just say, oh, well, we're good because it's not raining today. So now every time that it rains, you got an issue. Everybody's panicking and freaking out trying to take care of the leak as opposed to taking care of it from the source, getting to the heart of the matter, going deep down, deep dive to the source. Okay, it, it, you know, is it something that we're doing? How can we realign what's going on so that we don't have every time that there is an emergency, every time that there's something? We, we think about it. Every, ever since the pandemic, we keep getting things that are happening instantly, overnight. You didn't expect it. This snow, everybody kept saying, eh, it's going to snow. It's not going to be that bad. Now you got issues with ice. Now you got people, oh, here's another resource. We're going to pay them three months later. You know, we got the resources, but we're not going to pay you now. We're not even going to pay you next week. We're not even going to pay you next month. Uh, three or four months down the line, we'll, we'll, we'll eventually pay you. And then my thing is, when that, that third month comes and I don't get that check, I'm going to lose my mind because I work hard, you know, and, and that's the whole idea. Who's working 40 hours picking up snow? 40 hours? Do you know what that does for one body? Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you ladies have, have said it all, so I will say this. Every time somebody say we picking on uh, Eric Adams, he does some, and says stupid stuff like this. Every time somebody <laughs> says, oh, give him a break, Oh, uh, you know, he's he's under a lot of pressure. He comes back and says stupid stuff like this. Stu- this mm-hmm. is stupid. I'm sorry. This is stupid. You have you, you ain't got no writers in the background. Your wife can't help you. The, the, the six-year-old can help you write a better statement than that. If you had to respond or or or, or mention this budget, it had to be a better way to say this because this statement makes no sense. And you all have said why it makes no sense. When I heard it, it made no sense. You know what? Every time somebody begs for him to get a second chance, he comes up with something like this. You've got to be smarter than this than to say something like this, because Shantice, that's why I bust out laughing, because the first thing I thought about is, this is exactly how we handle our personal finances. We all in the toilet, but we trying to do something else, or it don't look that bad, and somebody else is sitting on the other side going, really? You can't see what I see? I got to be on the outside looking in in order to see this mess you're financially in? So... You know, I, I, I'm not going to reiterate anything that the ladies have said. I'm just saying he just, he just, in my opinion, every time he opens up his mouth, he goes deeper and deeper and deeper in the hole. And this is why people, I, have, I can't even tell you why people have said, I am no longer voting. Now, that is not the answer, but this is why. Because I'm going to be honest, all you heard was, oh, it's a black man going in, you know, he's got good ideas, he's put that out there. And we do know that there are certain things he can't control, but I'm t- you can control your mouth and you can control your statements. And you, they, if they said, okay, here, we're going to put you in front of the camera and we, you're going to make a statement about this budget. I'm sorry, I need three extra <laughs> minutes to get my thoughts together. 
because I need to be able to come out the box <laughs> sounding like something. Now, y'all going to push me out there. We all going to look like a bunch of dodos. So you, I advise you, somebody better go up there and do some, you know, play a saxophone or something before I get up there because I need five extra minutes, <laughs> and then I could come out strong. But if you put me up there right now at 802 instead of at 807, we all going to be in trouble. There is something you need to do to keep damage control for you. For you, how are you continuing to look like the idiot? How are you continuing to say these things that make no sense? I'm sorry, I am not taking the explanation that he's got it so bad that he can't do better. Because I'm telling you, ain't nobody pushing me out front to look like an idiot. I'm sorry. So guess what? Either we all go down or you give me an extra couple of minutes so I can get I ain't know y'all was having this press release. Too bad for you. You told me 30 seconds too late. So now y'all better do something. You know, you go out there and talk. Sing, hum, say a poem, do whatever you do. I'll be out there in a minute. I'll be ready. But this here, this is nonsense. This is straight nonsense. So. We got the 17-month-old who was hospitalized because the other Dodo police officers decided to throw out this uh, bomb gas or whatever thing they we see them do in TVs and movies all the time. And a, a toddler was in the room on a ventilator. And I think the most disconcerting thing here right now is the fact that they're saying that mom is lying. Her claims of um, all of the things that she said happened are not true. Elder Natisha. I, I mean, well, if, if y'all threw the, the smoke bomb into the room where my toddler was, what is there to lie about? Like, mm. where's the, where, the, the, the facts are the facts. Period. Mm. Unless you're saying that you did not throw a bomb into the into the room, then all of the other details that you want to try to take me through, I'm anybody interested in none of that? Did you throw the bomb in the room? If you threw the bomb in the room and my child was in the room, regardless of whether you felt like I'm lying about my child's history, the severity of it, all of those minute details, mm. I'm telling you that now my child is is worse off. After your smoke bomb entered the room, period. There's nothing for us to talk about. Take ownership of your mistake, and and let's correct it. But again, this is the stuff. It, it goes right back to what you were just saying about uh, uh, Mayor Eric Adams. It's trickling down to leadership. It's, it, there is a lack of integrity amongst leadership. When did we stop taking resp- responsibility? Right. Heavy is the right. head that wears the crown. Period. Mm-hmm. Heavy is the head that wears the crown. If there was a error, a mistake, or if there wasn't, we thought that, 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 that this was the appropriate way to enter into this house based on the level of uh, mm-hmm. whatever danger we thought, you know, we would be entering into. Unfortunately, we took a risk, and that risk ended up in a horrible mm-hmm. situation. Let's issue a statement to apologize. Let's take care of the medical fees. Let's go ahead. you got insurance. You got, ins- you got insurance for all of these things. Because right. we understand that these things, these risks are very probable in your line of business. So let's mm-hmm. go ahead and take responsibility instead of drawing out things and now we want to try to throw dirt on her name. No, you're making yourself mm-hmm. look bad as, as an as, as a, as a agency. 
Like, come on, guys. Like, we, we've got to have better integrity and take responsibility for the things we do. Even if we had good intentions or we were trying to save, we thought we were serving and protecting. Whatever we thought, unfortunately, it ended up in a horrible situation. We're going to take responsibility, and we're willing to pay. A child is in ICU today, period. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, now, Lady Tamika. Yeah, I'm just looking at that whole situation where as you want to save yourself, you know, you don't know the nature of this child's injuries prior to However, you know, we, we look at an incident, something like, um, what do you call it, when everybody is uh, in a crowd and something happens and somebody gets trampled. You know, somebody has their the burden of, listen, I, I, I was party to that, and because of that, I... You know, I pay a role. You know, you can't all of a sudden say, oh, well, you're not hurting that bad. You know, it's just a shoulder. You know, the shoulder is literally hanging off of its branch where it's supposed to be. And now you say, oh, it's not that bad. You know, you, you put, put a little Band-Aid on it you're fine. You know, and so I think that that's what they're doing. They're trivializing the situation. My child is injured. This never would have happened had you not done what you did. My child was fine. My child was you know, my child might have had things required to, but you don't get the right to belittle what my child is going through now. You played a role in the injury. You also caused issues to my door. My door was fine before you decided to break down my door. So all of that, if I get to, if I have to, you know, implode, then so be it. But you are the cause of all the damages. Take responsibility for what you've done. Mm-hmm. It's crazy um, how Elder Natisha touched on the fact of the integrity of the leadership because that, as you later was talking, that's what I was saying. So who, because had they threw this in the room and now it took down, you know, a suspect that they were looking for or something, everybody would want to take the credit for that. Everybody uh-huh. was saying, well, it, was, it was my idea to go at 9 o'clock and throw it in from the left side of the door because I, I, I heard it standing on the left side. Everybody wanted to take credit. And I remember how you just had us going over leadership, how to be the boss, this past Sabbath, and the first point was it costs to be the boss. This is one of, those, this is one of the times it costs that when a mistake is made, whether – it was you who literally made the mistake or not, but if it was someone who was mm-hmm. under you who made the mistake, you now have to take ownership for that. And you now mm-hmm. deal with that in the public as if you were the one who did it, and you pulled the person on the side, and if they stepped out of line and did something that you know they were not trained to do or were not supposed to do or they didn't take the, the proper precautions or whatever, you deal with that you know, with them with that on the side where no one else knows or at least where the public doesn't have to hear about that because who cares about who done messed up at this point? You know, that could have been right. a crack mama up in there. That ain't got nothing to do with what's going on, like th- this immediate situation at hand. And it has everything to do with you now taking ownership for what you have done because, again, whether this was a criminal or not, and this is why a lot of times, um, you know, cops get upset and they now start doing things the way they want to do because they don't pay attention to what needs to be done. 
all they may see is, well, we felt like this needed to be done, and now they get mad when um, they're higher up. So a judge says, okay, but we have to deal with this matter here at hand. This may have been a criminal. This may have been a such and such, but it wasn't handled properly. So now they walk because you didn't do it the way you were supposed to do it. So you have to, the same way everybody wants to take credit for when it goes down the way it was supposed to quote-unquote go down, and you have to now own up to the fact that now this baby is suffering. The baby, I'm, I'm pretty sure, I think it's safe to say the baby ain't do nothing. I, I just think it's safe to say that. Okay, so how about everybody just focus on that and pay attention to now what needs to be done in this situation moving forward? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, ladies. Absolutely. You said pretty much everything that was you know, on my mind to say, especially the point of everybody wants to take credit when it goes well, but we got to take the credit when it goes down the wrong way. And no matter what you say, an innocent individual was harmed. All righty, mm-hmm. ladies. You know, interestingly enough, you know, we always end up walking straight into our main topic, and I came across this last night, and I was like, wow, this is really big because we're at the top of the new year where everybody's got these resolutions and, you know, all of these things. And, you know, it, it, whether you come up with resolutions or not, you always reflect backwards. So whether it's a birthday you reflect backwards. What happened between last birthday and this birthday? When the the new year comes in, you always reflect how last year went. Well, one of the things is we need to really learn, whoa, how many times are we talking about this this morning, how to bounce back from failure because it's inevitable. We are not going to be successful with everything. And I thought this would be a nice way for the ladies to um, just kind of talk to our listeners and even encourage yourself at this point. We're going to throw Vivian into the ring. Vivian has been help, helping to hold it down uh, while our elder Natisha and Lady Tamika have not yes. been able to be on. And i got to say she's been doing a fantastic job. Yes. So she does have an opportunity to be with us this morning. Yes. So that means I have to be silent for a little while so that she can speak, I I want to throw her in the ring. So the first thing they say in how to bounce back from failure is to trust God to help you bounce back. Lady Tamika, you got the first round. Oh, that is so very crucial. <laughs> you know, I, I think of many times, you know, between my grandmother and my mother, things that went wrong, situations that transpired, you know, um, in my adult life, I, I only recognized in my adulthood there were times when mom didn't eat, you know, or mom was trying to take care of something and she didn't, you know, but they prayed, you know. Um, they knew that if I just keep doing what I'm doing and I keep praying and I keep seeking the Lord, that something would transpire. I remember times when I, when I went to college, you know, and, I, I said, no, I want to go to college. And she was like, you want to go to college? Yeah. You know, and I looked in her eyes, and I could literally see her trying to add the dollars up. And, and I said, well, what are we going to do? You know, she said, trust God. You know, and I remember her walking, and, you know, there was $1,800 that they said that she needed. And by the time I got ready to go to school, she was, 
she literally had cash, $1,800 bills that she handed them. And it didn't occur to me until later on, that was God. I trust God. Despite what it looks like, despite what my circumstance, my certain current circumstances is, God brought me here. He's going to lead me too. And because I trust God, he will lead me too. All righty, all righty. Shatis, we're talking about trusting God to help you bounce back from failure. A lot of times once people fall, they don't get back up. How is trusting God during this time crucial? Because you have to understand that it's not you that pulls yourself up and out of that hole, out of that um, deep state of depression and failure. And it's funny you brought up resolutions because it came across my mind. Um, actually, I saw an Instagram post, I think it was on the 1st or the 2nd, it made the first couple of days of this month, and it was a video of the gym, and it said, "Oh yeah, the gym looked like this on January first, and the gym oh, was yeah, packed. And everybody's going crazy in the gym, and it said, but it'll be dead soon. Like it'll be, and it's like yeah, because you're in the gym like that on January first because you know made these resolutions to lose weight and get toned or." build your uh, metabolism, whatever your goals are. And then once you fail January 15th, there goes the rest of the year. Not the rest of the month, the rest of the year, because you have just solidified in your mind that you have failed. So now the rest of the year you're careless, but you're going to make this resolution again on December 31st, 2024 for 2025. And it's like, no, this is why we can't make no resolutions, because I am going to fail today in something. Not I might. I might not fail with the workout today, but I might fail with the cursing today. Some way I'm going to fail today. But I have to trust that God is going to be the one that I can always go back to and lean on, and he is going to pull me out. So not that I can have a better tomorrow, but that I can now have a better next hour. So if I, if I fail at eating something I shouldn't eat at 7 o'clock, the rest of my day isn't shot. 7 o'clock was shot. So how about at 7.45, I I floored so I could get uh, uh, the taste of the food that I was supposed to eat out my mouth. If I'm home, maybe I can brush my teeth. And I can now focus on eating something healthy for dinner if I'm up late eating a healthy late snack so that I can feel better about even trusting God for the next day. But when we don't trust God, now the rest of our day, the rest of our month, the rest of our year is shot because we are relying on ourselves when we should be relying on God's strength. Amen, amen, amen. Vivian, trust in God to help you get through and bounce back from that failure. Yes. First, thank you all for your sentiments and encouragement at the end of the day. <laughs> but, yes, <laughs> if you are having a hard time bouncing back from a mistake, it's because you have yourself put up too high on that pedestal because what comes to my mind is at work. If you mess up at work, you ain't going to quit the job. You're going to come back the mm-hmm. next day, and you're going to, you know, push through. So if you're trying something and you mess up, whatever that something is, 
when you're having a hard time pushing through is because you're putting too much pressure on yourself. And if you're doing things in a godly manner, then it ain't got nothing to do with you. This ain't your plan. I'm thinking about the, the, the podcast that God gave Shantisha and I. You know, the first one didn't go so well, but we can't just give up and be like, well, we ain't doing this no more. Because it ain't ours to begin with. It's God's. So I can't give up. I have to trust in him. This is his. This is his plan. This is his podcast. He just giving me stewardship over it. So I have to put, I have to trust in him to do exactly what he did. The day after we did our first episode, we spoke about leadership in the church. And that was God. God put that on the pastor's heart so that we can get it together and try it again. So if you're having a hard mm-hmm. time bouncing back from a mistake, it's because you're not putting that trust and that faith in God. And you have to give it to him. It's the only way, as trustee said, it's the only way that you're going to be able to get back up. All righty. Amen, amen. Elder Tisha, you got to trust God to help you bounce back. Absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, it's uh, that actually um, – you know, our ability to trust in God gives us the strategy for how to bounce back, right? So I love what mm-hmm. Vivian said in regards to seeing ourselves higher than we are if we're thinking that we can't recover from a fall. I think, you know, human nature shows us um, that there are many things that we'll experience in this life that will lead us into valleys, but we don't intend to get stuck in the valley. We, by all means necessary, um, want to get back up and, and try to get to the to the mountaintop. And our ability to know that that's God's will for our lives sets us up to discover the strategy for how to make the comeback. The, you know, and so I think that that's how the two intertwine. I think God provides for us the will, the strength, and the knowledge for how to do it and the strategy. Yeah. Um, to to accomplish the the the, the get back. Mm-hmm. Yep. Amen. Amen. Another way they say we can uh, kind of come back, bounce back, get back up on that horse. Forgive those responsible for your failure. Mm, Shantice. <laughs> Just learning certain things um, throughout my life, especially after, you know, I became an adult, I would ask God questions like, why do I feel certain things? Why do I desire certain things? Why do I struggle with certain things? And he actually, between, I believe, last year, really started showing me the source of a lot of the dysfunctions that I had that I, I it was inevitable for me you know initially I had no control over kind of things that I inherited and I remember when I was asking God over and over and over and over and over and after a while I was like well is it that you're not answering me because I'm not mature enough for the answer and that's exactly what it was I was not ready for the answer had he exposed the foundation of that years ago it would not have been nice. Probably would have held up my baptism date a little longer. And it really showed that he had to 
take me through certain steps of learning what forgiveness really is. I'm learning how to persevere through. Okay, so I say I forgive you. It's not just me saying the words. It's really me feeling certain things and me still being willing to um, reach out whenever God says, um, even if I'm not the one to initiate certain conversation or anything, but how to still be receptive and so on and so forth. So, you know, you really have to, <laughs> when you talk about forgiving someone, you really have to, again, you cannot lean on your own strength because we as humans do not have the ability to forgive because we love to accuse. We love to point the finger. We love to lean on what someone else them said or did to us, even if we can share the blame. We do not have the ability to be genuine and authentic when we say, you know what, I know, I know what you've done. I know what you've said. I know how you contributed to things that I currently struggle with, but I forgive you. The only way you're able to say that genuinely is when you lean on Jesus' strength. Because other than that, all you're going to see is you're the reason for this, and you're the reason for that, and you're the reason for that. So you have to rely on him in order to forgive. All right, all right, Vivian. Yes, forgiveness, they always say forgiveness is not for the other person, it's for you. And it's very hard for you to bounce back. It's very hard for you to move on if you have unforgiveness in your heart, even if you try to, even if you just try to, you know, well, I'm not going to forgive this person, but we're just going to keep doing what we got to do, it makes things very difficult for you to truly move forward without forgiving whomever did whatever. And most of the time, I mean, if it's your failure, most of the time it's you, (laughs) you that you have to forgive. So whether it's another person or whether it's yourself, it makes it very difficult to move forward if you do not forgive the person who is responsible for the failure. So you like it's just something that you have to do in order to make a clean break and move forward. Whether you're moving forward in forgiveness and y'all continue doing what you have to do or you're moving forward in forgiveness and you just move forward on your own, you cannot move forward if you're holding on to past baggage. It makes it too hard. So you have to let go in order to truly bounce back or you will be weighed down with that unforgiveness. All right, mm-hmm. all right. Elder Tisha, we're talking about forgiving in order to be able to bounce back. How is that connected for you? Well, it frees you. It frees you from the, the bondage of um, the hurt that was caused. And so usually, you know, when you've been um, hurt or impacted, by something it has a hold on you and it's not until you are willing and able to release it by way of forgiving the other person that you have been set free from the bondage of that pain because there's mental anguish and that's the thing like pain is multi-layered there is the emotional impact of pain there is the physical and then there is the mental 
um, you know, uh, regurgitation of what happened and why this happened to me. And so that can kind of leave you in a cycle continuously that can ultimately lead to depression and lead to anxiety. It can lead to a lot of the things that, you know, people experience today. And at the source of it, it's that you haven't let go by way of forgiving that person. And it can seem like the, the offense can seem too hideous and too extreme to forgive. How do I forgive my molester? How do I forgive my rapist? How do I forgive the the, the person who I trusted, um, you know, in a faith-based scenario? I trusted this person and they violated me or they hurt me or did things to, to destroy my character. How do I choose to forgive them? You choose. You make a choice. To free yourself from bondage so that you can be free. And so my forgiveness, and and, and again, you know, Shantice and Vivian are hitting it, that this is not solely about that person, but it is also about the freedom that God promises you and that God wants for you so that you're not stuck because you're stuck because of what they did, and they done moved on, living their life, traveling, and the more you keep mm-hmm. them living their life, and they done moved on and forgot all about and don't even have any clue about the impact of hurt and pain they left you with, they done moved on, but mm-hmm. you're the one still stuck. How is that fair? That's mm-hmm. not fair. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, No. You choose. You make a choice to say, I'm going to be free from this bondage, and I'm going to choose to, do, to, to forgive that person whether they deserve it or not, whether they ask for it or not, whether they care or not. I am making a choice to forgive them so that I can be free. Amen. Amen, yeah. ladies. Amen. Amen. Like Elder Natisha said, y'all are hitting it. Oh, y'all are hitting it this morning. Oh, this one I particularly like. In order to bounce back, you got to take inventory of what you still have. Ooh, Vivian, are you still with us or did we lose you? I'm still here. All right, what you got, girl? Take inventory of what you still have, and that way you can bounce back. Uh, That's a good one because a lot of the times we count failure. We count things failure so quick. And we don't take inventory of what we successfully have done. So everything you did wasn't wrong. Everything you did wasn't a failure. Everything you did doesn't have to be done over. So you do have to take account of, all right, let me let me take a second. And although this may have, may not have gone exactly how I wanted, to, wanted it to, what did I get right? What do I still have to move forward? You don't just throw away everything. And start from mm-hmm. scratch if you don't have to. So, right. kind of what we've been talking about in our group, just that gratitude. Give yourself a moment to reflect on what you do have in order to move forward. And you can't, again, successfully bounce back if you don't take that minute to do that. Because then when you start over, you're just weighing yourself down with all the negativity. You didn't take a second to think of the good thing. Amen, amen, amen. Good stuff, good stuff, good stuff. Elsa and I teach you, we're talking about how to cope with failure and how to bounce back. And taking inventory of what you still have has a great deal of importance. Mm 
Mm. Absolutely. It's it's assessing it's assessing your power and your ability. It's assessing your capacity to be able to to bounce back. Taking a look at everything that you have encountered, everything you've gone through, and doing an assessment of what do I have left? What is left in my position and in my, my possession that I am able to start again, to build again, regardless of where we're starting from, whether it is starting from a great fall, failure, whether it is starting from um, a midway point where you thought you would be further along. There are a lot of people who the fact of I thought I would be at this point by a certain age, that is usually rock bottom for some people. I see that a lot in young, in, in, in young adults. That, mm-hmm. that idea of I thought I would be further along. And so the encouragement mm-hmm. for me from me this morning is even if you're looking at that point to say I thought I would be, okay, you thought you would be, but what do you have where you are right now? And what can you do with what you have right now to bring mm-hmm. you back up to where it is that you want to be? And it is. It's all about being grateful. It starts there. It's saying, I still have my right mind. I still have my hands. I still have my feet. Whatever I have left, I'm going to build with it. <laughs> Whatever mm-hmm. I have left, mm-hmm. I'm going to build with it. Absolutely. A- Excuse me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Shatis. Take inventory mm. of what you still have. Yes. In order to bounce back, you have to be able, you have to have had released some stuff or it's not a bounce back. You're just continuing to go forward with the same baggage, the same issues, the same problems. If you're not willing to release a lot of what you have that is preventing you from being able to recover from what someone has done to you, what you've done to yourself, how you're able to share that blame, there will not be a bounce back. And in order to be able to release those things, again, you have to go and rely on Jesus' strength. And it is really funny (laughs) that this particular point comes up. I was actually talking to God about this last night. And I was like, God, I, I feel like, and I see, not I feel like, I see that I still have not completely forgiven someone. And you show me that without thinking, and I know that it has everything to do with because I'm relying on God a lot more certain ways than I used to, that without thinking, I'm willing to still do for this person, be there for this person, but at the same time, I I can still see and sense that there's, I haven't completely gotten to where I have truly forgiven that person. I was like, what is it that I'm still holding on to that is preventing me from being able to completely forgive that person? And so now I have to stay before God so that he can show me what it is that I have to release. Because if I do not release those things, there will be no bounce back. And I'm at the point in my life where I'm not okay with the temporary fixes. I'm not okay with 
um, the facade of, okay, well, this is how it is at face value. We're really in the background. No, because I don't do well with not showing how I really feel, so that ain't going to work for nobody. So you have to rely on God in order to get rid of those things. Again, taking inventory and seeing what you need to let go of so that there can be, because without that, then it's not a bounce back. Okay. Okay, okay, ladies, we got a few minutes for another one. Mm. Lean on your friends to bounce back. That's how you cope with failure. Elder Natisha. And this is so, so important to me. I, I, I'll tell you, well, my encouragement to a sister yesterday, to a, a fellow sister wife um, who was just talking about um, just some of the disappointment, you know, the, the, and struggle that she's having in, having in her relationship. And a bit of advice that I gave her was that she needed to fill her life. Like, your husband's life is filled. He is moving, functioning in ministry, and doing all the things. He's constantly in school. He even got a doctorate over to, on top of a doctorate on top of a doctorate. Like, he's doing the things that he needs to do to fill his life. You've got to fill your life. And I said to her, for myself, my love, my love tank is filled not primarily from my husband, but it is made up from my sisterhood, my friendship. It is my travel. It is all of it. It is my purpose. It's 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 my my job and, and the work that I that I get to do. It's my mentees. It's this broadcast. It's Wednesdays. Like it is filling my life up with more than just reliant upon one particular entity of life. But it is necessary that in order for us to feel a sense of fulfillment, in order for us to feel a sense of, of, of gratitude and joy and laughter. You need your friends. And, oh, do you determine how much God loves you when you are blessed with strong, solid friendship. I often say that I, the way that I determine how deep God's love for me is by the people he has planted in my life. And so I really believe that to be true that friendships are a sign of God's mm-hmm. love for you and that they are there to fill your life so that your fulfillment and your love take is not just dependent upon one entity because you short that entity. You put too much pressure on it and you can break it. So you need to fulfill yourself and have your life filled with a number of things that fills you and fulfills you so that you don't put all the pressure on one thing and break it. Amen, amen, amen. Shantice, uh, they say lean on your friends to bounce back from failure. And I just said to someone a couple of weeks ago, I forgot what we were talking about, but they, they were annoying me and had something to do with the people God put in your life. <laughs> um he puts the people in your life who you need, despite what you, you know, who you think you need, despite who you have your eye on to be your your friends or your mates, or if there's people in your family you figure you can now build a friendship with, and he was like, yeah, you forget about that. Put your focus over here. 
And I remember, like, saying to them kind of aggressively, like, because you're going to need a person. You know, you're, you're going to need, and it has everything to do with what Elder Natisha said, you're going to have to rely on these friendships in order to build you up. We were not designed to do this by ourselves. This is why God says, do not forsake the assembly, meaning you have to go to church, despite what the streets tell you. This is why God says it is very important and it is a necessity, not optional, to go to church because within the church that he has planted you in, not the church that you've chosen, the church that he tells you to go to, he's going to make sure he places you around the people who are going to be amenable to learning you learning the things that you need, learning how to encourage you, learning what to say. The way I may help Vivian come out of something is not the way I may have to help Stacy come out of something. You know, Vivian can encourage me in a different way than Pastor Steph encourages me. But because we are all taking the time to go before God and learn how to be there for one another is the reason why we are able to call each other friends. And my grandmother went to her grave telling us we ain't have no friends. <laughs> and you understood. I mean, it didn't matter. It did not matter. My mother and my aunt in their 50s, and let, it didn't matter how serious the conversation was. They could have been crying. Let them have said friends around her. She never missed up. So then I said, you ain't got no friends. And we understood <laughs> why she was saying that. We understood why she was saying that. And I have to honestly say that I have really – understood that you cannot use that term loosely because of the responsibilities that come with being a friend and allowing someone else to be your friend. So when it's time to now have to rely on someone in order to overcome your failures, you're going to have to rely on like-minded people, people who genuinely care about not helping you the way that's convenient for them but helping you in the way that they know you need that help, that encouragement. Maybe today you might need a soft-spoken word, but when you fail again the next time, God may say, now nah, you're going to have to be a lot more aggressive. But when you learn how to be friends, when you learn to lean on people, you will then understand that this is why God has you around them because, as Elder Natisha said, he is encouraging you and loving you and chastising you through people. Amen, 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 ladies. Again, another fine job you've done with relaying the word of God into our practical lives and our practical living. Thank you so much for your contribution today. It was so great to have the whole crew on board. And we give God thanks for allowing that, the safe travels, whatever was going on. Everybody was able to come back to the table and feed as well as be fed. Thank you so much, and we pray you all have a blessed day. You too. Thank, thank you. Have, you. have a blessed day, ladies. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All righty. Ah. We're going to take this opportunity right now to, you know, like I, I love to say, hold hands and hold hearts and just go before the Lord. Heavenly Father God, we come before you, Lord, and we say thank you 
because we can't say anything else before we thank you. We can't petition you for anything. We can't ask you for anything or nothing. We can't just talk without saying thank you for the very air we breathe in order to even have this conversation with you. Thank you to Heavenly Father for all of the words that were given this morning, the investment you made one more time. We thank you, God, for everybody being able to sit at the table plus one. Thank you. Dear Heavenly Father, because you have continued to bless us. God, you've given us traveling mercies. You've given us time to go do whatever else we need to do, God. And we were able to come back whole hands, whole hearts, join forces, and to be able to just minister to your people, God. And here's the blessed part about it. No matter how much we minister, we are always ministered to. So, again, thank you so much for thinking about us even in our sleep. You were already, you had already prepared the day for us, dear Heavenly Father, for such a wow Wednesday, God. Thank you, dear Heavenly Father, for just the very food we eat, the shelter. God, it's cold outside, but you've given us shelter. God, it's cold outside, but you've given us warmth. God, it's cold outside. We're not homeless. Even if we're on our last little penny and trying to figure out what's going to happen to us down the line, thank you. Thank you for today. Thank you for today. And we know if you've already worked out today, you'll work out tomorrow. You'll work out next week, next month, next year if our lives are here at that point. So we say thank you. That's why we say thank you first, because we don't even know what we're really thanking you for. There are things that you're doing that we have no idea that you're even doing. Thank you for this conversation. Somebody is experiencing failure right now, and they just don't know what to do. They just can't figure out how they're going to get up out this hole. But thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Because you've, in our follow points, You've already wrapped up the day. You've already given four plus more because all we need is a foundation. And as long as that seed is planted, you said that you will provide the water in and you will give the increase. So we know it's going to multiply from four to twelve. Four to twenty-four. Thank you. Thank you. It's just the beginning of us understanding how to cope with failure, how to bounce back from failure. There is no bounce back if there is no you. Ooh, everything is temporary. Everything is just a feel good. Everything is just hope, but not true hope, not the hope that's in you. See, we know that you answer prayer, so our bounce back is really a bounce back. Because we don't have to look back. We can continue to keep moving forward. We thank you for every point you've given us this morning, God. Some people have already worked through those, and they can't get through others. Others have not even worked through these. So thank you for the beginning. Thank you for the continuation for some, because they've exhausted all that they've already done, and they needed that extra boost, that extra push that boost, and you always come through. 
you always come through big time, God. Thank you, dear Heavenly Father, for the love that you extend to us unconditionally, that we don't even love ourselves the way you love us. Thank you, Father. We thank you for keeping our families. We thank you for keeping our job. We thank you, God, for keeping our neighbors. (laughs) Thank you, God, for keeping our church home. Thank you for keeping the church family. Thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you for all the people that you surround us with because they're teaching us one thing or another, what we need to do or what we shouldn't do. Thank you. Because no matter how, how long you keep us here, we should always be in a learning, a learning, a learning, a learning position. You're such a breath of fresh air. And we don't know what we would do without you. I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine what life would be without you. Thank you for holding on to Stephanie when Stephanie let go. Thank you for holding on to Stephanie when I couldn't figure out what to do. Thank you, God, for holding on to Elden Atisha when something in her world was twisted. Thank you, God, for holding on to Shantice when she was making a mess. But you just said, I'm going to hold on to her because, see, I know I'm going to turn this around. Thank you, God, for holding on to El- uh, 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 Vivian, the Heavenly Father, when she was tap dancing on ground that she shouldn't have been on. But yet you said, I'm going to hold on to her because better days are coming. Thank you for holding on to Our Lady Tamika, God. Because when she was walking around trying to figure out which decision to make, you had already made it. Thank you, God, for every listener who was trying to figure out what they're going to do when they get up in the morning, but you gave them his due time with Pastor Steph. So all the due time crew could give them word and give them food for the day. Thank you for using us. Thank you for choosing us. Thank you for being so kind to each and every one of us. We thank you, God, for paying the bills. We thank you, God, for letting somebody else pay the bill when we couldn't pay it. Because, again, that was you who put it on someone's heart. That was you who put those dollars in someone else's pocket. That was you who put the dollars in someone else's uh, pocket that they could spare. Or they made the sacrifice. And that's how we're able to get together this morning. We pray, God, that you just take us safely through the day, marinating on everything that you've given us this morning, that this is the best way for us to get our day started in you, for you, about you. Thank you. We love you, God. We love you. Thank you so much for the love that you just... Continually, continuously, and again, unconditionally give us in the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Mm. I remember when I was young and they they used to sing the song, when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all he's done for me. 
my soul cries out hallelujah. Thank God for saving me. And when you're a kid, you, you just sing the songs, you hear the songs, but you don't really understand what's being said. But thank you, God, for just an understanding of what these things really mean and how he just looks out for us. And, and even in today's conversations, that we've had about the news and how you cope with failure. Homeless people, some of them have not bounced back from failure. You know, you've heard people say, you know, they've tried to give some homeless people a place to live, but they don't want it. They'd rather be homeless. And, you know, a lot of that is a mindset of, you know, I did this to myself. I've had people in bad relationships and when you, you know, you ask them, you know, do you think you deserve better or, you know, questions like that, they'll tell you, well, you know, I, I did my dirt back in the day, so I guess it's my turn. And that is so not God. Let God decide, you know, how, you know, but how you're going to go through this thing of a repayment. You know, when God says vengeance is mine, yeah, that's for you too. You know, you don't seek revenge and revenge on yourself. You don't punish yourself because that's, again, our mentality. Because that comes with destruction. And even when God spanks us, you know, he chastises those he loves and calls his family. It's, it's a plan that's in place. His plan is not to destroy you. See, that's the enemy's plan. But his plan is not to destroy you. But when we exact revenge and vengeance on ourselves, that's what we do. We, you, we're destroying ourselves because I'm looking at a whole, like, you're homeless and you want to stay homeless because you feel like you've made, you know, if it wasn't for me, my family would be better off, so I don't deserve anything better. If it wasn't, you know, I, I've done this dirt to other men and other women in my life, so you know what, if I'm with somebody who treats me wrong today, you know, I just deserve it. Now, whose plan is that? Whose plan is that? That's not God's plan because he may have a different area that, you know, he wants to deal with you in. And you having a home where you ought to be homeless lifts you up and takes you into another arena. Same thing with the relationship. You know, that, that very relationship that God may have for you waiting in the wings because you stuck up with somebody who you feel you just going to deal with it because you didn't did dirt this other people and wrong other people, that could be the very thing that just saves your life. You know, Elder Nitisha was talking about, you know, husbands. And, you know, th those are gifts to one another. A husband and a wife is a gift in life. That's the way God started this world, and he wanted it to work. It's a gift. We're a gift to one another. Now, if you try to hold that back and that's what God ultimately wants for you, then you punishing yourself. You ain't got that kind of authority. Who gave you that authority? So let's just make sure we don't 
do what God would not have us to do. Think about what, what God has brought you through. You wouldn't have made a lot of those decisions, but God did. And if you think about it, sometimes you'll say, you know, you give that credit to God. You're like, Lord, God, if, if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't have gone down that road. And you give God thanks for him just stepping in. You know, sometimes he just steps in, just right in front of you and just blocks the whole thing. Jesus sitting on the side going, Father, I know I, I know I didn't call this name out to you 25 times just today. <laughs> But I need you to come through, God. I need you to just forgive him, God. I need you to just help her, God. The whole is against the Lord. Mm-mm-mm. God is so good. God is so good. And I'm so grateful to God who has kept us from failing and remaining in that failure status. And we all know we could have if we gave up. We all know that we could have still been in that failure mindset if it were not for God. Thank you, Father, for your Holy Spirit that I just got to push my own spirit aside and just say, you know what, Mm-mm, you just take over because, you know what, if Stephanie did this, I'd be right back to where I started. But you know what, when I kept saying I was going to do this thing and every time I start something coming away and I didn't get it done and I failed, like Shanti said, get back up on that horse. Let God dust you off and keep it moving. Start all over again. Because it ain't over till God says it's over. He has the final say on everything. And as long as he gives you breath, as long as he wakes you up, he's saying, here's another chance. Now, you don't even know if you're going to have 15 minutes into that day or 15 hours into that day. You don't know if you're going to have that full 24 hours, but you know you got right now. And give God thanks for right now and just, Move on and seek him. Maybe the way you've been doing it, you've been failing because you've been leaning and relying on you. So ask God, God, I failed at this, but you've given me another chance to get it right. How do I move forward? It's on you right now. I didn't spend this money. I ain't got nobody spending this money the way I did it. I seem to be out of control, but it's on you right now. God, I keep messing up this relationship, and no matter how hard I try, I just don't seem to get it right. So you know what? It's on you right now. I said last week, and I'll say again, I have long, and I give God thanks. I have long gone by when you've tried or if you've tried everything and everything fell, tried Jesus. No, we are here to tell you today that you don't have to fail. But if you trust God in the beginning, not just for the bounce back, but if you trust God in the beginning, it's all yours. Because he says, I got it all for you, sitting right here in my hands, up in heaven with me. But it's for you. Take it and give him thanks for it. You've been listening to It's Due Time with Pastor Steph. Join us Monday through Friday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. where we discuss matters of the heart, mind, and spirit. As you go through your day, be sure to set your mind on things that are above, not on things 
that are on this earth because they will only serve as a distraction. Remember, prayer changes things. It's Pastor Steph signing off, and I want to thank my due time crew, the ladies, for always coming through big time. Thank you for hanging out with us. Please do not miss this opportunity to give Christ your life right now. And even if you have, please do not miss this opportunity to strengthen that relationship with the Lord right now because you just might be missing out on something. Later is not promised to any of us. Until tomorrow, God spares, where it's therapeutic Thursday. Until then, I love you.